In Ag and Review for the week ending May 30th, we check in on the Ag Appropriations Bills. Both the House and Senate Ag Appropriations Bills are now ready for floor debate in their respective chambers. However, it is the House version that seems to be getting all the attention. Senate Ag Chair Debbie Stabenow. I was quite stunned that uh, the House appropriators, uh, even when they did not have to, chose to uh, make significant cuts in conservation, certainly ones that I would oppose, um, you know, coming forward here in, uh, in any final bill. And, uh, of course, I mean, we see the other ongoing attacks on, on nutrition and so on. And those nutrition attacks, of course, are in reference to a provision in the House bill requiring USDA to grant waivers regarding the school meal nutrition requirements. A section that California Representative Sam Farr notes... Is a poison pen for this bill. It's going to go to the floor and tie up the whole ag appropriations bill. And with some news regarding an addition to the safety net, Tyron Spearman had this. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack announced a new risk management option that will be available for fruit and vegetable growers and producers with diversified farms. He said the policy is called a whole farm revenue protection program. It will provide flexible coverage options for specialty crops, organic and diversified crop producers. He said the program will be implemented in counties across the country and will expand in availability over the next several years. It's called the whole farm insurance. It allows farmers to insure all crops on their farm at once rather than insuring commodity by commodity. He said crop insurance has been the linchpin of the farm safety net for years and continues to grow as the single most important factor in protecting producers of all sizes from the effects of unpredictable weather. He said providing farmers the option to insure their whole farm at once gives farmers more flexibility, promotes crop diversity, and helps support the production of healthy fruits and vegetables. More flexibility also empowers farmers and ranchers to make a broader range of decisions with their land, helping them secure, uh, succeed, and strengthen their agricultural economy. The 2014 Farm Bill requires a whole farm crop insurance policy and paves the way for RMA to make it broadly available. And we go out to a pasture with this from Randall Wiseman. Dr. Kurt Lacey, livestock economist with the University of Georgia, knows we're all aware that they currently are at historically high levels. But put all the factors together, and he says we will be looking at less beef production and higher beef prices due mainly to low numbers of cattle. Heifer supplies, or, or the number of heifers that are being held back as replacements, have actually increased over the last two or three years. But the, the, the issue is that we've been liquidating more cows than we've been saving heifers. And if you look at the drought that we've got now occurring in the southern plains and out west, uh, even though we would like to try to rebuild the herd, I think it's going to be a year or two before we actually see some rebuilding occur. Lacey said unlike folks out in the southwest, this area of the country looks good right now when it comes to pastures and hay fields. This year, uh, I think we're in really good shape in terms of, of uh, precipitation and subsoil moisture. Uh, right now, we've got plenty, and all of the long-term forecasts call for for normal precipitation at least through the end of April and May. So it looks like we're going to be in good in good shape to start the summer. Uh, depending on who you uh, who you believe, we may have a chance at maybe just some below normal precipitation, but there's really nothing that calls for any type of drought occurring in the near future. So I think we're in good shape in terms of, of uh, forage growth, uh, hay, hay production, and pasture production this year. 
So when it comes to cattle prices for the rest of this year, he said, Barring some major unforeseen event, things should be really good this year. And if everything holds as it is, he said Southeast Livestock Producers should be looking at a pretty good year. And we wrap up for this week with this report about worldly weight gain. In case you thought it was just you, don't worry. It seems like the whole world is battling the bulge, as a new survey has found that the world is steadily becoming more obese. The survey of 188 countries shows that nearly 30% of the global population, or 2.1 billion people, are either overweight or obese, with not a single country lowering its obesity rate since 1980. But not surprisingly, the survey by the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington also finds that the U.S. is leading the charge. As though the United States accounts for just 5% of the world's total population, Americans make up 13% of the global overweight and obese population. Dr. Derek Yak, executive director of the New York-based Vitality Institute, told NBC News that the numbers are no surprise and the explanation is simple. Yak, who was not involved in the research, says the overall message is that people are increasingly getting out of energy balance. But the reason for that lack of energy balance varies from one part of the world to another. According to Yak, in some places, such as South Africa, it's starchy foods, while in parts of Latin America, it's snacks and sugary drinks. And in countries like China, bike lanes have disappeared to be replaced by roads choked full of traffic. And a supplemental study tried to put a figure on how the increasing availability of fast food is affecting worldwide obesity rates, finding that for every extra fast food transaction in the country, the average BMI went up by 0.03%. And don't forget, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.